This week on the podcast. I love technology, as you probably realize by now. But technology won't save the travel industry. People and creativity will. So this week, I'd like to talk about the hardworking people behind the scenes of tech and creative who will help the travel industry recover. So I'd like to start off this week's show with a quick excerpt from Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky. I think he really summed up where we all are right now in the opportunities before us. Have a listen. Bad companies are destroyed by a crisis. Good companies survive a crisis, but great companies are defined by a crisis. I want us to be that third bucket. And you know what? So much of it's mindset. If you think you're going to win, if you think that this is going to define you in a positive way and you're going to learn something from it and it's going to make you stronger, it kind of happens, right? Like so much of your mindset of the leader becomes the psychology of the organization. And that psychology really becomes a collective consciousness that, man, it, it, it becomes real. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was the thing. And we said every single opportunity is a moment we have to pivot and move fast. So what actually happened was – First of all, you have to have the mindset, a mindset of hope, of optimism, of resiliency, that we're going to get through this. And now we're going to get through this, but every one of these crises is going to lead to a new point of innovation. Let's look for moments. I like that. I really, really liked that. Let's look for moments. And I think right now everyone is uh, having a hard time, well, dealing with their current moments and trying to find out you know, what's next? How are we going to get through to next week, next month, next quarter, uh, and hopefully to next year sooner than later? So I just wanted to start off the episode with positive reinforcement. I want everyone that's listening to know that they're not alone in their doubts and in their fears, and we all are. Uh, But let's start with the mindset, and I hope that this podcast is going to be a sounding board for people to come uh, share their thoughts and also for people who are listening to find uh, inspiration and, uh, you know, moments that they can capitalize on moving forward. All right, we're back. Let's get into it. And for some of the loyal followers, you may be wondering, why am I only hearing Jess's voice this week? Hello? 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 (laughs) I love that last hello. There she is, Laura Blackhall, the star of the show, the one that keeps it credible. Unfortunately, she's not here with us this week as she's battling tonsillitis. So, Laura, we hope you get well and we have you back next week. I'll do my best to hold up my end of the bargain here on the podcast. So with that out of the way, 
I'd like to get into our segment of uh, two travel insights that we typically present at this portion. Rather than doing that, I'm going to mix it up a bit in the moment, as Brian Chesky had mentioned. going to do a quick pivot, and let's talk about a couple of websites that I use to get my insights and that really anyone can go to if they're interested in the travel industry. So, TravelDailyMedia.com, as the name says, brings you daily travel insights every day. Um, A lot of good articles in here, primarily covering uh, Asia, Middle East, UK, and US markets. You can also go here and uh, find feature stories, travel guides, jobs, communities, and events as well. Today, they got a couple of articles, one being that the Ritz-Carlton will be opening up here in Japan in December, uh, December 15th, it says, in Hokkaido. So looking forward to that. Hope that goes well. Another story they have here is how British Airways will bid farewell to the first of its last 747 jumbo jets. So this is very sad to see all of the 747s being retired. Qantas Airways did it, I believe it was two weeks ago, sent off the jet to the aviation graveyard in California. And when they did that, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, upon departure from Sydney, the plane actually flew in the pattern of their logo of a kangaroo over the ocean. Uh, So on on the flight path, you can see the kangaroo shape. It was a nice tribute to the airline. Another resource that I use, oh, before I get there, I do have to give a shout out. Travel Daily Media also gave me a bit of love. Uh, They shared a recent article of mine that I published on Medium called Four Technologies the Travel Industry Should Embrace Right Now. So that's now also up on Travel Daily Media. So thank you very much uh, for allowing me to uh, publish there. Moving on, travelmassive.com. This is more of a almost uh, casual LinkedIn type of platform for travel professionals and or travelers. I think they've got around 60,000 registered people right now. So you can go in, build an account. Um, You can also publish a lot of your events here for free, Uh, even the online events, which is pretty much the norm these days. So travelmassive.com, if you're not there, uh, go check it out. Uh, and register by the way they're not a sponsor yet inboundreport.com this brings you weekly uh, email newsletter things happening around the industry these guys have been doing it since 1996 so a very credible source Uh, it's run by a company called connect travel not to be confused with my company of connect worldwide travel unfortunately Um, So go to the Inbound Report, very simple page, sign up for their newsletter as well. Uh, Turning to the U.S., where I spend most of my time focused, um, ustravel.org. This is the U.S. Travel Association's website, which is a nonprofit organization representing all components of travel industry in the U.S. A couple of fun facts for you here. Travel is actually the number one service export of the United States. Um, 
it generates around 2.6 trillion U.S. dollars in total economic output.、Um, so you can imagine, right now, we're in a pretty big hole. It also is the employer of one in ten American jobs. So this site will give you a lot of more factual information,、uh, not as much articles and opinions, but more about、um, research or、uh, decisions being made at the government level. You can find it here at U.S. Travel Association. And turning to Japan, where I'm currently based, Japan Airlines. Uh, amused me a bit this week, announcing that they were reducing domestic flights. In fact, it's up to the tune of around thirteen thousand flights in the month of September will be cut from domestic service due to lack of demand. Not surprising,、uh, a little bit surprising, I guess, as they're trying to boost domestic tourism in a way. But、um, ironically, at the same time. They increased services to international flights to the U.S. and Southeast Asia,、um, and if you're not aware of it, this is quite amusing as a foreigner here living in Japan. As there's now more flights to go back to the U.S., which I'd love to do and visit my family and friends, but unfortunately, we are currently not able to return to Japan. So, while there may be a few more flights available to leave,、um, and Return.、Uh, we're not welcome back into Japan at the moment as a foreign resident. So a bit of a debate going on here in Japan amongst foreigners trying to get this、uh, movement so that we can go and return safely. So stay tuned for more information on that. If you have any opinions, I'd love to hear about it. All right. So I think I've overgone my time. Our sponsors are going to be pissed, but it's okay. It's all good. Where did travel go? Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about five people that every destination should know. All right, I just made myself some fresh brewed iced coffee. I'm ready to get into it. I have to admit, it is a bit weird doing this on my own. Hopefully, we'll have a few guests that can make an appearance later. All right. So this week, I'd like to focus on、uh, my writing skills have taken over in the last few weeks, and just like with the podcast, I've started writing on Medium under the title of "Where Did Travel Go." For those of you that don't know, Medium.com is a platform where you can find articles written by everyday Joes like me or you.、Um, but also, you can find professional writers on here too.、Uh, I think even Barack Obama has an account.、Um, so if you go to Medium.com/backslash/atmarkjpetroski, P-E-T-R-O-S-K-I. You can find a lot of the articles there that I've started writing in the last two months. By the way, you may hear some jets flying overhead. It's、uh, 3:15 now, and in the new flight pattern into Haneda Airport has the planes. What is left of the planes flying,、uh, flying right over the apartment here between three and six o'clock. 
I guess it adds to the ambiance. Alrighty. So where did travel go? So I first started writing for this uh, back in July, and I wrote from the peak to the valley, one year working in the travel industry. Here I told my journey from jumping in last September, actually a little bit before that, I, I dabbled my feet into it, but uh, really full time from September. Fun little article I did kind of self-reflecting on the journey that I've had in the last year. I called it from the peak to the valley just because, as I'd mentioned on last episode, I had jumped into travel right when things were good, breaking records, high fives everywhere. And now obviously we are definitely in the valley. Shortly after that, the following week, I, I published an article called The Four Opportunities for the Travel Industry to Utilize Technology Now. And what I really wanted to do with this was not talk about ideas, not talk about possible technologies. I wanted to actually write about and show actual use cases that are being used right now or, or in the past. Um, and so in the article, I give real life examples of people uh, or organizations that are using various types of technology uh, to kind of bridge the gap between you know, what travel actually is physically and what it could mean uh, digitally as well. And as, as well, once we do start traveling, there's a lot of this technology that can, applied to be, can be applied to the physical travel too. So uh, go check that out if you're interested in that. Coming full circle, I guess, that I had written a few other articles in between, but I really thought after doing this feature, uh, rather than only talking about the technology, and I had mentioned some of the people in the article, I wanted to focus more on the people. And so, over lockdown, and even before, I really started connecting with a lot of these individuals. I saw what they were working on, their ambitions to apply their technology to the travel industry. And, and so I really thought it was important to highlight the people behind the technology um, that are really using innovation and creativity uh, to provide some solid answers right now. So this week, I had published on Medium and LinkedIn an article called Technology Won't Save the Travel Industry, People and Creativity Will. And so with that, this week I'd like to talk a little bit more about the people that I featured in the article. Everyone knows that the hospitality sector is only as good as its people on the front lines. The same can be said for technology and creativity, as it's the unseen people behind the scenes that really make the magic happen. And with that, let's get to know some of the people doing amazing work to help save the travel industry. One of the best destination campaigns I've seen since COVID lockdown is Play NZ or Play New Zealand. I had the honor of connecting with Andrew Teresi, senior creative at TBWA Sydney who worked on the project and told me about the unique opportunity to blend tourism videos with storytelling 
and connecting that with the culture of e-gaming, which is a very relevant way to interact with today's digital audience. The gamification of a destination. I mean, how do you turn a country into a video game? Well, that's exactly what New Zealand did here. By taking video footage that was probably intended for some snazzy commercial or YouTube tourism campaigns and repurposing that into the moment. Really, I mean, talk about Brian Chesky saying pivoting into the moment. I, I asked Andrew about how the concept was conceived and what were the motivating factors to create the campaign. And he told me that, you know, they knew during lockdown that the online gaming audience was growing rapidly and people were playing video games, you know, not only to deal with social isolation, but, you know, also as a way of exploring new worlds that they couldn't travel to. And New Zealand, obviously a very beautiful country, you know, and a lot of movies are shot there. Um, majestic landscapes, interesting characters, adventures around every corner, you know, it's a no brainer that a video game setting was perfect for this kind of campaign. And so within three months time, they pulled together a team, together a team and produced a beautifully shot and extremely uh, compelling way to view a destination through the eyes of a gamer. And I thought that they did a wonderful job of not only pulling off the visuals, but making the, the website and the portal very interactive in a way for you to feel like you're not just watching videos, but that you're actually taking part in the experience. And so I highly recommend that you check it out. Play NZ, uh, links are in the article, or you could probably Google it and find it quite easily. Andrew, thanks a lot for jumping in here on the podcast last minute and great work on the Play New Zealand campaign. Can you tell us a bit about what it was like working on this production, some of the challenges you guys faced, and maybe what new opportunities you may have unlocked for the travel industry to move forward? Hey, Yesep, thanks for having me. Um, I guess if we're gonna talk about what some of the challenges were for Plains Z, um, I think just, I mean, the nature of it is no matter what ad agencies are making during this time, there's always gonna be a lot of challenges. And especially for us being a, uh, you know, a tourism brand, um, everything that was going on with, you know, borders being shut down and, you know, Corona cases, you know, constantly coming up here and there. I guess the main challenge was uh, we just needed to move quick and um, we just needed to make sure that we were reactive to whatever was happening in the world. Um, New Zealand, we were fortunate enough because New Zealand was in a, in a pretty good position where they weren't that badly affected by everything that was going on, but it was still very much like, you never know, you, we could have woken up one day and they could have had 100 cases and, that, and then that would have probably been a bit of a step back for us. So that affected timings. We just needed to make sure that um, we could do this as quickly as possible just so we can get it out there in the world without having any um, step backs or anything kind of you know forcing us to kind of um, put the project on pause which um, you know 
created this sense of urgency, but it was always something that was kind of at the back of our head where it was kind of like, you know, at any moment something could happen in the news or um, between Australia or in New Zealand in terms of the pandemic that might force his campaign to be put on hold. So um, it was just, that was the main challenge, just making sure we could constantly keep momentum with making this project, um, just so we could ensure that it, it, it gets made and it gets put out um, in the world. Um, I guess another challenge was uh, because we couldn't really work together with our production partners. You know, it, it was a lot of late nights, a lot of phone calls, a lot of um, sh uh, looking at edits and reviewing things online, which kind of slowed the process down because, you know, we're talking about three, four production partners, everyone trying to connect at the same time, um, which it did work, but, you know, um, it wasn't as easy as everyone being able to sit in the room and make changes on the spot. Um, so, again, that... Uh, was a challenge and it was just the nature of the campaign there were so many elements you had the filming you had the you had the music you had the the sound effects there were so many so many components of this and so many production partners uh, and, and just trying to work as a team when we all couldn't be together um, was a challenge but I think it kind of showed that it can be done you can make these big projects um, from home um, so that was a challenge where we, we learned something and it kind of, you know, it, it, it tested us, but at the same time, it, it taught us something. Uh, in terms of opportunities, I think, um, I think a lot of opportunities came out of this project in terms of, you know, how it, it, it shows the travel agency, sorry, the travel industry, how it, how it can be. And one of those things is I think the travel industry can be a bit more reactive to culture. Um, Tourism New Zealand are a great client because they're kind of aware of you know not, what's not only happening in the world of travel but kind of what's just happening in the world of culture, and you know gaming was one of those things that you know everyone was just doing because it's in lockdown, um, so that kind of sparked a conversation. Well, if everyone's doing this, how can travel um, enter this world in an authentic way? And that's what we did. So. Um, there's opportunity for you know the, the travel industry just to you know kind of be a bit more reactive yes you know the world isn't in the best state but with that whenever problems arise that means there needs to be solutions so the more problems there are in a way there's a there's more of a cry for creativity to be the solution and i guess the other opportunity that we learned from this for the travel industry is that you can speak to more targeted audiences. You know, when we think of travel campaigns, we think of travel as a medium that gets um, communicated to everyone because everyone wants to travel. Um, but there's still something really interesting about just really targeting your audience. And for for us, it was let's just target gamers, uh, let's let's target uh, an interest point, and let's. Um, you do something really fun and really authentic in that particular audience and for, and their interest and that's what we did with planes and we said you know what why not we could communicate and do a campaign for the whole world or we could you know communicate to an audience that's very relevant at this time and do it in a really authentic fun way um, and that and that's kind of what we did with with planes and Sammy Levine, a student at NYU, who said, if technology can bring faraway places to us, why can't we use it to enrich the places we see every day? I was drawn to this straight away, 
and I knew I had to cover the story. So Samian developer McCoy Zoo are the creators of Metro Archive. It's an app which enables users to view historic New York City streets as they were centuries ago using AR technology. And this is in partnership with an R&D project actually by the New York Times. So let's hear more from Sammy himself. Sammy, thanks a lot for your insights on my article. I think a lot of people are curious about what AR is and how it can be used. So can you tell us, like, when did you first start working with AR and what have you discovered throughout working with this kind of technology in terms of producing the content, as well as new thoughts or ideas around the potential of this technology moving forward? Well, first of all, thank you, Jessup, for having us on your platform. This is a really great opportunity to share a little bit about our project and augmented reality tech as a whole. So this is really the first time that McCoy and I have engaged with AR. The most appealing aspect of it to us was the intuition that comes with its use. Whereas it takes some time getting used to a standard user interface like a website or mobile app, using AR comes pretty naturally to us since we believe in what we see in front of us. Consequently, AR interfaces are appropriate for delivering information to a wide variety of audiences, whether they're experts or school children. The fact that us university students were able to piece together this prototype app in a fairly short period of time serves as a testament to the accessibility of AR frameworks and resources today. That being said, there's still quite a ways to go before we can start thinking about AR as part of our daily lives. Once we start seeing wearable augmented and mixed reality devices, and developers improve the methods with which assets are placed into physical space, we may begin to see virtual overlays become a regular part of navigation, a school field trip, or a supermarket visit. For our project, moving forward, we hope to create a series of walkable experiences that capture the hidden stories of streets throughout New York City. The Boston Freedom Trail is a great example of how walking tours can liven a city by attracting foot traffic and tourism dollars. We hope to translate this experience into a 21st century use case. Just like when the World Wide Web was released into the public domain, we see plenty of room for experimentation and disruption in this new technological medium. One of the first people I connected with after joining the travel industry, who was building an innovative platform for destinations worldwide, was Michael McGlade at Yellow Design in Belfast, Ireland. His team was leveraging their design UI UX capabilities and combining that again with AR technology as well as public transport data to build a platform with a holistic view of what it means to operate a sustainable tourism environment for smart cities around the world. So last year when I first spoke with Michael, him and his team were actually viewing our current reality about a year ahead of everyone else. And they were developing a system called AR360, which I really do believe will be a key tool for any destination to reboot its tourism efforts moving forward. And so I asked him, you know, why did you start this product and what problem were you trying to solve with it? And he told me about initially wanting to solve the problem of over-tourism and sustainable tourism and smart cities, being able to visualize tourism data in real time. 
they've done a little bit of a pivot since then. And now they're looking for more of a citizen engagement approach, which generates excitement and rewards visitors for behaving in a respectable, sustainable way while visiting a place. Some of the advantages to their product really are applicable to the new reality of travel and tourism as we move forward. Some of the benefits that they talk about is, you know, number one is safety. And with something called AR wayfinding, basically a mobile guidance system, they're able to generate virtual information pods real time at any location in a city. So let's say you're walking down the street and you want some information rather than having to go into a physical tourism booth, probably quite small, filled with pamphlets and maybe a bunch of people, you can pull out your phone and open up a virtual information pod to get the information you need in that area. So I think this is really, really cool. You know, another thing that it can do is um, tell you about places that you're visiting. Maybe if they are crowded, it can tell you the space that you need to keep while you're exploring that area. Another thing is memorable and transferable moments. You know, by far the coolest thing that I've seen from them is being able to see some of these historical figures or landmarks in real time, right in front of you that are don't exist anymore, but in the past. And I don't want to give away too much of their secrets, but let's just say a very large ship in a port that has a lot of history. It doesn't, it doesn't exist any longer, but you're able to bring it to life using the AR360 app. So I think as we move forward, you're going to see a lot of these products be able to not only bring, uh, the novelty or the wow factor uh, to engage audiences, but really being able to do things in a safe way, in an informable way, and also being able to take a little bit of the destination back with you in the digital format. And so I'm really, really excited to see uh, when Yellow Design comes out with the AR360 product, which I've heard uh, might be coming out at least in beta later this year. So stay tuned for that. Helping communities improve both visitor experience and local engagement is at the heart of what Justin Copenhaver is doing with Urality. The problem communities face with too many channels and information overload, Justin believes destinations need to rely on locals and experts to capture the true flavor and authenticity of a location. Justin, could you tell us a bit about your vision of how using this product would work? Maybe take us on a small story of a person using the app as an example. Hi, Jessup. So let's say it's my first day at a new university in a town that I'm not too familiar with. I'm at the local coffee shop and I log into the Wi-Fi. And as part of that Wi-Fi activation experience, I see a feed of content on a landing page, such as social media and blog posts that the local community has created. The first major use of Urality is this location-based experience that businesses and locals can use to promote their products and services. So I can use this to check out what's going on that particular day. Let's say if there are any specials at a local restaurant, a new beer is being put on tap at a local brewery, or a concert's happening that evening. 
the major difference between this solution and existing social media is that we're focusing on the location of where things are happening and the results appear based on their proximity to you at that exact moment. Uh, to make things easier for onboarding the business type folks, we integrate with existing social media to let them easily access their social media feeds and repost and geotag their content so it can be discovered easily. So what I'm really excited to talk about with Urality is this ability to enable AR storytelling. Imagine in this town, there's an interactive mural project going on. Urality gives the artist the ability to share their project and drive traffic to it. The artist can use this as a mechanism to explain the story of the mural and ask for input from the local community on what to include in the mural. Participants will be able to post their own media that will be projected onto this wall for both the artists and other locals to see when they enter the AR experience. So the grand idea here is to create this persistent social experience anchored to that wall that gives collaborators the ability to build a larger story by providing their own contributions. Uh, we really believe that using AR in this collaborative way is opening up new means of interaction that can help engagement through active participation instead of passively scrolling through social media. And lastly, Fabian Chalice out of Germany. He wanted to find a way to empower teams to view, collaborate, and share reality-captured projects from drone surveying, which will more efficiently help anyone around the world collaborate. So his platform is called TwinCity, and his mission is to give professionals the digital reality tools they need to make inspections and presentations fast, accurate, and collaborative. So this next one's a little bit more technical, but basically creating digital twins of landmarks and destinations with a technology called photogrammetry. And that's exactly what Fabian and the guys at Twin City are doing here. So imagine your destination captured with photographs, but instead of displaying the images all over Instagram, which is still nice, those images become a three-dimensional digital twin of the location, which people can immerse themselves in right from their own computer screen. Doesn't require VR, although I believe you, know, you can use the VR headsets as well. So a virtual walkthrough can be experienced of any destination. And I think that you really have to uh, go to the website or, or Google it, Twin City, and they have a lot of demonstrations uh, videos that you can experience. It's basically a platform like Google Earth on steroids. And so the platform allows users to explore and view landmarks in the best quality. And I do really mean the best quality here that you can find. Um, and it's really like actually being there. So it's called immersive visualization using photogrammetry. Their technology is already available. And so if you know someone that is a drone pilot or photographer that is capable of capturing these types of surveys and scans, um, mention Twin City to them. And I believe it could really be a really nice asset for destinations to use right now, as well as 
whenever we can physically travel to be able to share these experiences with people who weren't able to go with you. So this is where you, yes, you, Mr. and Mrs. Sponsor, could be if you'd like to be heard by our faithful audience. We don't expect much. In fact, we're looking to give companies and organizations as much love as we can for free during our discussions. But also, we want to provide this section of the broadcast for anyone who wants to show their support for our show as well as promote their products and services as they like. If you'd like to get involved, shoot us a message on our Anchor page at www.anchor.fm backslash where did travel go with hyphens. Alternatively, if you're a company or an individual that wants to be a silent supporter, there's the option to give a monthly donation of one, five or ten dollars by hitting the support button on our anchor page all right i did it i survived on my own hopefully i didn't trip over my words too much throughout the week of recording this so i'd first and foremost like to thank all of the guys who took part in the article this week and as well as Andrew for giving me the nice sound bite so I don't have to listen to my own voice the whole time. So very special thank you to Samuel Levine, Michael McGlade, Andrew Teresi, Justin Copenhaver, and Fabian Chalice. I think that you guys are really doing some amazing work that not only right now can be applicable, but that a lot of destinations can really start to build sustainable, engaging, safe environments for people to come back to once travel does resume. And let's not wait until travel does resume. I mean, a lot of these technologies can be applied right now, and they are being applied, especially as Andrew showed us with uh, gamifying of New Zealand. But I think it's also really important to recognize that once travel starts and people visit physically, that there's still a digital component that a lot of people who never get the chance to ever visit the destination physically can still engage with places in a destination's brand um, through a lot of these new mediums as we move forward. So I applaud all the work that they do And I really hope that any tourism board, travel agency, airlines, hotels, uh, check out the websites of these companies, read the articles, and get in touch with these guys and talk about the possibilities of building a new travel reality for all of us. And I think it's really, really exciting times ahead. So with that, I'm going to sign off and hope that my co-host partner, Laura Blackhall, is back in the studio next week. And I believe we do have a guest lined up. Uh, No promises, but it does sound like that we've got someone that's going to join us and talk about a new exciting position that he just took. So join us for that next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.